very good morning. It's uh, great to see uh, so many of you here. Um, As John said, I'm really setting the context for uh, today's half-day conference by assessing where the NHS is now in terms of its performance. I'm going to base this on some work that we published before the election, the high-performing NHS, a review of progress 97 to 2010, which was edited by colleagues here at the Fund, Ruth Thorby and Joe Mabin, and was contributed to by many in the policy team here. I think one of the difficulties we faced in doing this piece of work, and I suppose it's the question uh, that um, I had to face in preparing the presentation, is, well, how do we judge whether the NHS is indeed high-performing? When I worked for the European Observatory on Healthcare Systems, I was frequently asked the question, which country has the best healthcare system? And I always slightly shirked the, uh, the question by answering, well, it depends. And it depends on what's important, and it depends on whose perspective. So, for example, if you were to take the patient's perspective, and if the things that you valued most were choice and easy access, perhaps, to specialists, then Germany or France might come out as being countries on top. If, on the other hand, you're a doctor and you want to work in an environment where you have all the latest technology and can prescribe pretty much any drug that's available, then you might want to be working in some of the US health systems, the health systems where people are serving insured patients. But... At that time, which was back in the late 1990s, 2000, we relatively were spending quite a lot less than other countries. And so I would often say, well, actually, if if you look from a societal perspective at value for money and equity, well, actually, the UK really doesn't do too badly at all. Well, we know that since then we've increased spending dramatically. So I think the question we faced in twenty we faced in twenty ten is: Have we made commensurate gains in uh, in terms of outcomes and other areas? So the things that we decided to look at to judge the performance of the NHS were some of the criteria that common from other studies, international studies: the availability and accessibility of care, whether care is safe, whether the health system promotes health whether it's clinically effective, whether the health system is able to deliver a positive patient experience, whether it's equitable, whether it's efficient, i.e. offering value for money. And finally, we felt in a publicly funded system, it's also important to judge whether the health system is accountable. And we asked a series of questions in each of these areas. We assessed what the situation was in 97, what policies uh, had the Labour government introduced, what progress had been made. And we did try and look at what some of the new government should focus its efforts on. I'm going to keep my forward look fairly limited because I know that that's the main part of what Chris is going to say this morning. So in terms of availability and access, the ability for people to get access to a comprehensive range Uh, of services in a timely and convenient manner. Well, I think, you know, uh, the NHS has had some successes over this period. The government chose to focus on waiting times, and indeed we have seen significant reductions, particularly in the period towards the attainment of the 18-week waiting time. But it would be wrong to simply say that the success was only uh, and the improvements have only been in the area of waiting times. And obviously the focus has been on hospital treatment. So there are areas of care which have not been subject to waiting time targets where access problems persist, particularly around community mental health, which perhaps has seen less investment, things like physiotherapy. 
And in um, other achievements, we can look beyond waiting times, I think, and point to the uh, introduction of national service frameworks and NICE guidance, which for the first time has tried to set out what people were entitled to and could expect um, on the NHS. In primary care, we've also seen a focus there on trying to improve access, again, through waiting times, uh, being able to see a GP within 48 hours, which, again, according to the data, suggests that most people can get to see a GP, but obviously the reality of whether people feel that they have good access to primary care varies. And particularly in recent years, the issue of whether people can get access at convenient hours, and hence the emphasis in the latter period that we looked at uh, on trying to extend opening hours. In terms of primary care, I think the big area of weakness that we identified in the review and has obviously been highlighted in recent reports was out-of-hours care. And it will be interesting to see whether, if the government goes ahead with giving handing back responsibility for out-of-hours to uh, GPs and general practice, what that will do to the provision of uh, out-of-hours care. So that's on access and availability. I think on the areas that were targeted, some successes, but clearly some areas that uh, remain weak where further effort is, is needed. So what about safety, the ability to deliver a safe care? Again, an area that received a lot of attention was uh, hospital care-acquired infections, and those two that were targeted, MRSA for a longer uh, period, and then uh, latterly C. diff, have seen very uh, significant and dramatic reductions. We also, uh, in the review, commented on the national um, policies on patient safety reflecting international trends and the establishment of NPSA to ensure that there was routine collection of information on patient safety incidents I think was another achievement during this period. Obviously what we have seen however is real variation in where those incident reports occur and I think there's a sense that perhaps in primary care we still have under-reporting. Obviously, the ongoing increase in the number of reported incidents is taken to reflect improved reporting and coding. And I think it'll be difficult to predict when we get to the point that we should be seeing a reduction uh, due to improvements in uh, safety. But our assessment, looking at uh, the available information, was that we are still probably quite a long way in the NHS from having an open culture of reporting. And so probably an increasing trend at this point is still um, a positive feature. So if we move on to um, health promotion, I think the extent to which health uh, is a product of the healthcare system is always somewhat uh, controversial. But there has been significant efforts, both legislative, uh, we've seen latterly with the smoking ban, uh, but within the NHS on uh, reductions in smoking. And I think it's too early to attribute any of these gains to the smoking ban, but hopefully we will uh, see in future years' data further improvements in both prevalence of smoking and reduced ill health from smoking. But you can see that um, the trends there are in the right direction. Our assessment was, however, that progress has been much more elusive, both in terms of alcohol and obesity. What we've seen are rising alcohol-related hospital admissions and uh, rates of liver disease, and the prevalence of obesity both in adults and children has been rising. Now again, government has put in place quite a lot of initiatives to tackle obesity with trying to improve rates of exercise and aspects of healthy eating, the five a day being the one that we 
probably hear about most. And there are improvements in those areas, but the improvements have come quite late, and some of the policy focus, particularly around obesity, uh, was quite late in this period. In terms of of chronic care, and I'm sure that Chris uh, will probably say more about this, there's been a number of initiatives, but we found it very difficult to assess the impact of those. COF obviously included many uh, indicators relating to the management of chronic illness. And although we see very high levels of performance among most uh, general practices, research has suggested that that hasn't actually translated into either reduced hospital admissions or where they've been able to look at clinical data, those improvements have been short-lived and only for those aspects of care that have been subject to COF's incentives. Initiatives such as community matrons, I think the evidence somewhat mixed, and other initiatives that have been implemented to engage patients in their care and self-management, such as the expert patient programme, whilst evaluated very well by those patients who have participated, they haven't again uh, shown commensurate benefits in terms of reduced utilisation. So I think this was one area that we highlighted in the review where, given the enormity of the challenge, the scale of response and the progress to meet that challenge had been somewhat uh, inadequate. In terms of the next aspect, clinically effective, again, teasing out, uh, particularly looking at things like overall mortality declines, the impact of particular policies is very difficult. Death rates uh, and mortality rates in cancer, cardiovascular disease have been falling, but very much in line with international uh, trends. I think we can look at some more specific gains, particularly in cancer, uh, targeted early on as one of the major priorities by the Labour government. Waiting times for cancer diagnosis and treatment have been reduced and some uh, progress improving, for example, the quality of surgery. But again, recognition that not enough has been done, that care is still variable and particularly getting timely uh, uh, use of radiotherapy. Early diagnosis as well uh, has been recently highlighted as, a, as a, an area where the NHS perhaps uh, does fall short. And certainly mortality and survival rates for several cancers, whilst improving, still lag behind those of other uh, countries. I think we have seen a huge amount of data, uh, clinical data, and that emphasis on the collection of clinical data I think has been really beneficial but I think the challenge for the future will be making use of of this data in in improving quality. I'll just briefly look at uh, patient experience and then touch on the final three, which I think are slightly different to uh, these other criteria. I'm sure Ben will say perhaps a bit more about public. Uh, Certainly public satisfaction with the NHS has been running at one of its highest levels. In terms of patient experience, I think an achievement in its own right was the launch of the National Patient Experience Surveys, and they've generated a huge amount of data. And I think can give some satisfaction that most patients 
are being treated with dignity and respect, but I think there is more progress needed about involving uh, patients in care. And the emphasis on shared decision-making and a broader concept of choice that I think is being at least discussed is, is the right focus. As I mentioned, previous work had suggested that the NHS is quite equitable, and, uh, but I think if we look at the inverse care law, it still exists to some extent with uh, the distribution of GPs shown here by uh, deprivation, suggesting that still uh, the most deprived areas have, uh, on average, fewer GPs per uh, head of population. So these, this is quite old data now. Five years has obviously been more effort put into attracting GPs, particularly the investment in new uh, GP-led health centres. So this may have improved, but I think it's an area where we shouldn't rest on our laurels and just assume, because we don't have financial barriers to access, as many countries do, that we don't have equity issues within the NHS. As John pointed out at the beginning, value for money is going to be a key issue. And if we look back over this period when huge amounts of investment have been made, it's perhaps not surprising to see that by standard uh, measures of productivity there has been a slight decline. Work that John uh, did looking at some of the, the Derek Wanless, where has the money gone, suggested about half of the extra money went in higher pay. We, have, uh, we do quite well on things like drug procurement, but obviously the, the new government interested in pushing that further, perhaps with ideas around value-based pricing. And certainly all of the work being done under the QIP agenda suggests that the NHS has got much further to go in terms of productivity and savings. And finally, on accountability, is the healthcare system really accountable? We've heard quite a lot, actually, from the coalition government about changes in accountability with possibility of elected representatives on PCTs, creation of an independent board. This follows a period under the Labour government of many, many changes, I think, in the way that the NHS is held to account. Centrally, we've seen targets and terror, as they've often been called, We've seen increased power to local commissioners, a number of experiments and changes with public involvement, the creation of FT membership, and I think very significantly the creation of independent regulators to check up on safety and uh, quality, uh, as well as obviously in the case of FT's monitor. So these have brought, I think, quite a lot of change. I think they've left us with perhaps a bit of confusion. I don't know how it feels sometimes working in the NHS about who do you feel accountable to. And I think many of the changes are set to change these relationships further. So if we were saying, you know, if, if the judgment on the system was, are we clear about where the buck stops... I think probably we'd say no, not, not very clear. So that was our look back. And as I said, I'm going to hold off on doing too much on what uh, we took from our look back about the future. But I think looking across these uh, dimensions by which one might uh, judge the NHS, both in terms of the progress it's made and a little bit of a look internationally to say how is it performing relative to other countries, I think our, our conclusions are that there are still some significant unwarranted variations both in access to care and also in the quality of care available. Whilst we've collected huge amounts of data about patient experience and uh, clinical outcomes, we've also got PROMs uh, becoming available, I think it's critically important that we ensure now that patients' experiences are listened to locally and that it really is allowed to make a difference to how 
local healthcare organisations are operating. As I mentioned, I think chronic disease remains uh, such a huge challenge, and yet the improvements and investment there in prevention and management have not been sufficient. But can we be good on all of these things? Where I started, well, it depends what's important and it depends where, uh, what perspective. And we're going to hear some other perspectives on the NHS later in the panel session. I think all I would conclude by saying is we, we can't have everything, particularly in this period of, of tighter budgets. Inevitably, we're going to have to make trade-offs. We may have to say, well, waiting 18 weeks, let's just leave it at that. We can't expect to afford to get waiting times down any further. Or quality, we can't expect to have the best quality in the world in every clinical area. So I think what our debate will have to be with, uh, with the government and perhaps here uh, to some extent this morning is deciding what is important and what isn't in order that we can be at least good at the things that we think are important. Thanks. Thanks very much.